Merkel Media. Welcome back to another motherfucking episode of Kill the Mockingbirds with your host, Sean Chris, Joe Thomas, straight from underground, right from the grave. Come with me. I'm coming for your tight butt cheeks. Don't feel too bad. I do it every week. Na 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 We're coming, baby. We're coming for this week, and I don't care. Coming in hot. Hot, baby. Man, it's going to be a fire episode. And don't forget, you know, let's get that stuff out of the way. Don't forget, if you're not following us, follow us on Kill the Mockingbirds podcast on Instagram, Kill the Mockingbirds Telegram, or go to Patreon, become a subscriber. We're having exclusive content on there. Ooh, got a fresh episode we just recorded the other day that I know everybody's going to love. And you guys will be the exclusive people on there. And don't forget, you can always donate to the show by hitting the link underneath this podcast with KTMB Donations. Yeah, bro. I am absolutely ready for this episode. And really, man, the whole idea for this episode came. Did you get that message from our biggest fan, that DM from our biggest fan the other day? Oh, yeah, man. I got that for you right here. Oh, let, let me play that real quick. Hi, I knew Shock G um, very well for 25 years. None of what you said in your video is true, and he also recently died, so it's very disrespectful for you to make a video as if you know what went on with Digital Underground and Greg Jacobs and Tupac. You know nothing. You don't even know the slightest the slightest bit of truth. Um, please take your video down out of respect for the family. Um, I don't need to threaten you. The karma will do its job. So um, just because you're bored, don't make a hit piece about what-ifs. Uh, they hurt people, and uh, my friend just died, so uh, maybe change your fucking mind. Thank you. Maybe change your fucking mind, Joel. Ooh. <laughs> change your fucking mind. <laughs> Whoa, bro. I'll tell you right now, man. Like, I got that DM <laughs> in my personal DMs. And for people that don't know what stemmed this, I did a reel about how Tupac was controlled opposition, how Tupac was basically bought and paid for by the CIA. Well, let me, really? let me run you back real quick, though. Just so everybody does know, so if these people that don't know as much, you you put it out there that it's possible, right? Like, we're, you're right. not telling everybody, like, in your reels, like, sometimes it annoys me personally when people are taking it all, like, I'm like, you're just putting out information that you found. You're not even saying for sure. You're just like, hey, it looks kind of like this. Just for that chick, though. He is controlled up. I'm saying it here well, on the now show. She made us, I'm doing <laughs> yeah, it now. Now she made us dig. <laughs> yeah, well, now she made us dig, and now we got too much, and I don't... Uh, yeah, bro. I mean, listen, man. Like, you and I have talked about it a lot, about these idols, especially hip-hop idols, being bought and paid for by the government or whatever secret society. And there's a lot of proof Lizard out there people. for this stuff. Lizard people, all that, right? So... 
Tupac was just a natural progression of it because, I mean, he was created as like the Black Messiah, which we'll get into later on. But her beef was she is supposedly, according to this DM, because a lot of people won't understand some of the verbiage of what she's talking about. So Shock G, Gregory Jacobs, was like the de facto leader, I guess, or, you know, he was one of the group, but he was kind of the, 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 the main, the front man for Digital Underground, which Digital Underground was a really good hip-hop group back in like the early 90s, late 80s, you know, into the early 90s. And, you know, they had a lot of, they had a good positive message. A lot of them did, you know, and this wasn't even a hit at Shock G. And I think she took that the wrong way. I'm talking more about the conflicting stories that Tupac said throughout his career. He had an original story that he said when he was younger about how he met Digital Underground and how he got into the rap game. And then later on, when he was on his thug life and he was on, you know, all the Cali stuff, he had a different story and they weren't the same. So that's when I made a comment about it in the reel where I was like, there's conflicting stories here. So that already raised red flags to me. So basically like the first story, he said there's a chick named Layla that introduced him to Alton Gregory. Now, Alton Gregory is different than Gregory Jacobs. Alton Gregory ran Digital Underground. He was the manager for them. So basically, she introduced Pac to Alton Gregory, who told him to go to a studio where Digital Underground was. When he got there, Shock G was like, hey, spit some bars. He spit some bars. Shock G was like, look, we got, ro- we got room for you to be a roadie for us and you can hop on board with us we'll let you perform same song which blew up tupac that's what got everybody on the tupac stuff that was the original story the second story though is said he just met gregory jacob shock g like up front like he literally just met him he hooked him up immediately with Digital Underground. He wasn't even on the road yet with him and then he got him with money b and if you know anything money b's part of digital underground too money b stepmom made beats so Pac and her were working together and then shot g came and was like look bro like we want to bring you on the road with us we want you to start working with this you know we kind of want to hook you into the group whatever and Pac made a, a joke like as long as i ain't doing it with this chick because she's all about that money and she'll take all my money like as a joke that was the joke but that's the two conflicting stories they're completely different about how he met them so that already is a huge uh red flag and your story's not going to change that much up i don't care how many years it is it's not going to change from completely one way to completely another way so that's what she's mad about because shock g we all know he passed and listen man i'm a huge digital underground fan and honestly i i honestly think digital underground was pushed to the side for groups like NWA and and gangster rap because they really weren't on that. They were really more on the positive rap. And I've actually said that in a reel before, but clearly she didn't listen to it. But I'm putting that out there now. This was never a hit piece on Shot G, but it was more of a explanation of what Tupac really represents for hip hop and the black community. And honestly, bro, and I'm going to sit here on the show because you know me, man, I don't give a damn and I'll take the hits. Like a lot of times the black community has an issue with the white man pointing out things that are going wrong in any community that's not theirs. But I don't give a shit because I'll point out what I think isn't right 
even if it's within the white community and I go at them harder probably than anybody. So it, well, it's, it's like ridiculous. you said, it's, it's when somebody idolizes people. And right. the thing is that there's a lot of these inconsistencies throughout all the stories. Mm. <clears throat> That's just the one that, and that kind of got you, you know, you hit me up like, Hey man, you know what? Maybe we should do a podcast episode. We kind of have like floated around and, and off the top, I went on the jump, give a shots out to industry hoax. I've been like a, talking about them for a while and trying oh, to get yeah. people on them. It used to be called Tupac hoax, the whole thing. And they've done thorough, thorough oh, yeah. uh, uh, um, breakdowns of Tupac on all kinds of stuff. And they do other people too. And you can see these inconsistencies throughout all of these different stories, like through his whole life. You know, one person says this, one person says that there's no, there's no way if you're telling the truth, that the story should completely change. You know what I mean? Right. Like it should be at least a little similar. I'm not expecting to remember every detail, mm -hmm. but when it comes to like, oh no, I, I met this person. No, 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 no. I started with this person. And when you start seeing that, that's when you, it gets us thinking and driving towards, Hey man, you you might be controlled up and I'm with you after all the research we've done. And I think that we're going to put a, uh, put out, lay it out that he is. I think there's enough information out there that proves it. And when you say that he started with digital underground, that kind of was his catapult. And if you notice, like in that video, there's a lot of symbolism as well. Mm. And I and I believe going through it a little bit more, and I like Digital Underground as well, but that doesn't mean that they were all in on it, but there's a lot of little subtleties too. Mm -hmm. You know, they were on the checkerboard. They had Tupac anointed coming in as a king in yeah. the, uh, you know, like the the traditional African, like, uh, uh, especially in the 90s. Remember, that was huge, like with the, uh, the Daishikis and all that. Oh, yeah. He came out of that to present himself as this guy that was a part of the black community that was going to actually do great things and and get you know their their hero the hip-hop messiah you know what i mean he they really painted him into this person that was supposed to save everybody that's coming with this positive attitude and right out the gate he did do that stuff but to backtrack a little bit i thought it was interesting because i didn't know this but just digging through i thought his name was tupac originally <laughs> Right. And they it, it is his name legally. It is his name. But his original name is the same Paris Crooks. And then three days later. Three. And his mom was going to court fighting these cases, says, ah, I'm gonna change the name. Three days later. That 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 was very interesting to me. And she's on all these, you know, conspiracy charges of being with the Black Panthers party and bombing cop, you know, police stations and so on and so forth. And the thing that people got to understand is like, look, man, these people, you don't know them. They're not your heroes. You you can like a message they say. Even bad people can have a positive message and you could turn it into something good. But don't follow them. Th right. This is not a person you know that is, uh, you know, actually done great things. You have no idea. And, and to think that they can't be controlled opposition is just ridiculous, if you ask me. I think that anybody can be. Or be used. We we know that it's sometimes it's unknowingly, but in this case, personally, I think this is one of a great case, especially her changing his name while she's going to court and actually does some time to Tupac Shakur. And the name comes from, uh, I think you got that pulled up, right? That uh, Where the name actually comes from? Yeah, man. So when you really break it down, Tupac Amaru, because that's his middle name. That's Tupac Amaru Shakur. Amaru was the last indigenous monarch of Inca. Now, you know anything about the Inca empires, man, there was a lot of blood sacrifices. There was a lot of babies' blood. A lot of stuff we'd like to get into on this show, but it was very indicative of that time. Also, Tupac, 
The name Tupac means shining serpent in Inca. He's a shining serpent, man. We're back here with the serpents. We're back here with the reptilian stuff. We're back here with that mentality, man. And if you even talk about Afeni Shakur, man, and you brought up the Panther 21 trial. So if you know anything about the Panther 21 trial, there's not a lot of stuff about it, of what it was actually about. Like you can go to Wikipedia and they'll give you a roundabout answer. But there was 21 Black Panthers that were essentially rounded up. She was one of them. Check this, though. She was the only one out of the other 20, the full 21, that defended herself in court. She didn't have a lawyer. She defended herself in court. Now, all 21 got off the charges. This is what's wild. They all 21 got off. Check this, though. So nobody has seen not one picture of Afeni Shakur pregnant. Not one person has seen her pregnant. So there was plenty of pictures of her in the media before the trials because she was a part of this big trial coming up. She was a Black Panther man. She was part of this whole thing. She conveniently gets locked up during the period of time that you would see her in her pregnancy. She gets released a month and three days before Tupac is born. Again, no picture seen even after she leaves. So one, three, 13, we're back on, we're back on this numerology. We're back on this geomatra whole thing with this. So the fact of the matter is, and there's a lot tying to Afeni Shakur into being bought and paid for by Cointelpro and the government that, if you know anything about Cointelpro, was started by J. Edgar Hoover. And J. Edgar Hoover was, if you know anything about Cointelpro, it was used as a way to infiltrate any of these major groups, right? KKK, Black Panthers, any kind of... Uh, uh, civil unrest groups that were going on in America. They needed to be able to control these groups to do what they wanted to. And it's funny when uh, you start really digging on on uh, uh, bl the Black Panthers and like Bobby Seale, man. Like Bobby Seale like, was one of the co-founders of it. Do you know that Bobby Seale actually worked for NASA at one point too? I mean, bro, like it's all connected. Like they're all connected to this overarching agenda now if you dig with the black panthers i think the black panthers are very similar they, they mirror another group that we've seen recently blm there was a grassroots movement it started out in a positive manner and then it was infiltrated by the government and took a big turn into riots fighting Killing, which the Black Panthers weren't originally about, if you even track them back to that. But Afeni Shakur was a part of this group that was militant, that was all about starting stuff. And if you get you dig deeper, Sean, some of these some of these guys that were starting the riots were found out to be what government agents. We're back yeah. to that again. So same thing with like you said the BLM. It was exactly the same circumstances. And to me, it's the the, the same. With like you said, like when you go to back and look at the KKK, that there's infiltration from you know the uh, England. I forgot the exact guy's name, but all these groups because any group, whether it's especially the grassroots ones, because like Black Panthers and BLM or any grassroots movement that starts, they're going to jump on that because it has to go back to the conquer and divide. That's you know Black Panthers inspired a lot of gangs, right? At first, it, and it was supposedly you know like the vice lords and 
and all that kind of stuff. And the Bloods and the Crips as well. And, you know, people, that's why they're able to be like, no, it started, you know, with the Black Panther supposed to be a positive movement. And, and most definitely, I agree with you that it was. But when the government sees that, they're like, we need to infiltrate this to look as an enemy <clears throat> so that only certain people go to that side so that it's constantly two, two working class sides fighting with each other. It's the same exact blueprint and they're just recycling it over and over. No, I mean, I totally agree with you. And I think that was the really crazy thing when you start digging the Black Panther agenda of where her period in time was, uh, uh, Amari Shakur, uh, Shakur. Also, and I'm going to go down an even deeper rabbit hole here, man, with the whole fake pregnancy thing, right? So what was the purpose in that? Now, we could even tie that back in. And now we've got the Rihanna stuff. We've got the Beyonce stuff with the moon bumps, man. When they sit down, the belly like folds over. We've seen it. We know that it, we know that they weren't carrying the kids. So at the end of the day, you could say from a base level line, okay, they had a surrogate carrying the kid. They're just show they're, they're doing that to save face, right? They don't want to admit that they have a surrogate, but they want a kid. So they're having a sur surrogate carry the kid, which has got the DNA of her and the DNA of the father, right? Which could very well be so, because we've got technology out there right now that can do that, right? But if you dig deeper, and I've said it plenty of times on this show and other people's shows too, you're talking about these bloodlines and what they like to do, they like to create some sort of child and then implement them into a controlled situation that looks organic. So what do you do in this case? Especially back then where you don't really have the type of technology you have now where you can hide a lot of these type of things. You just take her off the map. You take her off the map until it's time for him to quote unquote appear. You change his name after three days, which I just think is, there we go with the threes. And there's threes, 13, sevens, eights, like all through his whole career, man. Like it, it's mind boggling. And we'll get more into that in this show too. But it made me think like, what if Tupac and they call him the Black Messiah and they call him all of these occultic names, you know, we even go back to his name, you know, being the serpent. What if Tupac is one of these bloodlines? What if he comes from one of these bloodlines? What if he comes from one of these Nephilim bloodlines? You know what I mean? Like, it, again, when I say Nephilim bloodlines, I want to get very clear what I mean on the show by that. I don't mean that he was, you know, 10 to 14 feet tall and he was, had six fingers Nephilim. No, Nephilim bloodlines, you can have diluted bloodlines all the way down. That's what I believe that these elites carry and why they think that they are the children of the gods, right? So what if Tupac is... One of the bloodlines, and he was implemented in with the Mars Shakur to be this quote unquote savior for the black community. I think it's actually too, a lot of proof out there because, first of all, he's a Gemini, right? Yeah. And that he has a lot of this like Gemini mentality. He's the protagonist and the antagonist. He's the hero. He's the villain. He's the victor, the victim, self destruction and beginning and helpful he's there for the community and he's not there like as as soon as he came out like we talked about the digital underground you know that seemed like a positive you know and then he comes out with his first album brendan's got a baby mm. boom right there for the community if my homies call boom i'm there for my people whenever you need me let's link up together let's build something something positive and then he came out with trapped trapped was like kind of talking about like the systems again they know that i'm, I'm telling you to free yourself mm. well, i'm telling you to free yourself and now that they're going to come after me and he's putting these ideas into everybody's head. 
that like, hey, man, I'm here to like change everything. There's even like videos of him like where he would talk about like, oh, I'm going to run for president and I'm going to do this. I'm going to make so many changes. He he was so influential. And you got to people got to remember, I know it wasn't that long ago, but in the 90s, there still wasn't really the Internet how we have at the time. So to right. be that influential, that means that you really were plugged in because you were everywhere, especially like his mentality. But when you first saw him, you thought of a wholesome dude that's really trying to lift up the community and build unity and then he started shifting a little bit. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like you'd get, then you started getting the, oh, let me go with, uh, uh, I get around, right? This is, here's a little lyric from what he says to, I didn't want, I was going to play it, but copyright purpose. I don't want to get in trouble. Right. <laughs> he says, don't be picky. Just be happy with the quickie. But when you learn, you can tie me down. Baby doll, check it out. I get around, right? So you're like, okay. He's talking about being promiscuous in that song. He's talking about, he's not really respecting women as much. Which I'm not saying you should. Well, well, you he can feel however he wants. But then on the same album, he has another single called "Keep Your Head Up." And in that same verse, the reason why I'm picking these two uh, sections from the verse because I thought it was very hypocritical and really paints it to his image of the Gemini, the Two Face, the Two Face to switch. I'm the good guy and the bad guy. Then in "Keep Your Head Up," he goes, "If you can't learn to, if he can't learn to love you, you should leave him." Because, sister, you don't need him. So, wait a second. Right now, on the first one that he's talking about, nah, I ain't going to love you. We just want a little quickie. I'm just trying to get a little bitches, blah, mm. blah, 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 blah. Then he switches over to say, like, no, 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 no. Man, if that person. So, he's telling the men. It, it almost feels like, in some senses, he's telling the men one thing. And then he he's, has a different message for the women. That's right. why I think there's, like, this whole different. When you talk, when you hear women talk about him, they're like, oh, man, dear mama, has got a baby keep your head up like all these positive but when you hear men a lot here about it especially like in the neighborhoods we grew up in they're more like yeah man i get it the streets you know what i'm saying we got to do what we got to do thug life the mentality fuck the cops blah 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 so it's this dual personality that is constant through his whole career and his career wasn't that long to be that influential he, if you really think about it he wasn't in time frame wise in the public eye he wasn't out there that long you know, right. what was it, like seven, eight years of where he was? And that whole time, he wasn't the huge guy he was. Uh, uh, Tupacalypse Now, uh, that album was not like, you know, it was kind of like one of those like cult, uh, you know, like those cult followings where people are like, oh, man, you heard of Tupac? And it was the underground shit. Like, oh, man, you're that's where we started rising. And then he became this polarizing figure that everybody knows about. There's people that boomers know about, it. Gen Xers to right. Gen Z even kind of knows who the hell he is, you know, and they, they kind of recreated that and then some of the symbolism started even with that Tupacalypse you know what I mean Tupacalypse now you see that cover it has the red and the blue mm -hmm. Bloods and Crips and Masonic also as stands well. for two Masonic houses as yeah. well you got the blue house and the red house as well and then you have and then that paints it perfect because you have him in the middle and you he's surrounded by a bunch of hooded figures you know what I mean right. like he's at a ritual <laughs> Bro, I'm going to tell you right now, you're all over some stuff that I've been digging on, too. So what's really crazy, you know, I talked about, uh, you know, Bobby, Bobby Seale, who started the Black Panther Party, actually worked for NASA. Well, there was a project called Project Gemini that was part of they were supposed to help develop space travel techniques to support the Apollo missions. Right. And we, for everybody listening, we're not going down the road of fake moon landings today like i i'm with you but we're this is the 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 point of this episode we're just going to talk about we got what the time it, for all we that. ain't got the time for all that <laughs> what i'm saying is that it was supposed to help the apollo missions 
And actually, there was astronaut corps that were called Mercury 7, the new nine. So everything was in these in this geometria tone. But back to Bobby Seale worked for NASA. Also, who started COINTELPRO? J. Edgar Hoover. J. Edgar Hoover was a huge donor to Project Gemini. So back to this duality, back to this duality. And if you want to talk about Project Janice, that's also duality as well. And that was yes. something that came straight out of COINTELPRO which came straight from J. Edgar Hoover, and it was a twinning programming to two different individuals, right? So it was supposed to split. It was MKUltra. So for anybody that knows, this was an MKUltra program called Project Janus. And if you know anything about Janus, it's J-A-N-U-S, was a Roman god of duality. So that's where the name actually comes from. Beginnings, gates, transitions, duality, doorways, passages, frames, and endings. And endings. I thought that was I thought Very that was important as well. No, no, for sure, bro. So, like this project, Janus, was all about twinning. So, in Tupac's life, you can actually map out multiple twinning instances. So, which made me think about it when you just said the duality in his songs, the twinning of his songs, his messages where like one message is like, fuck these bitches. I'm throwing this money, you know, like California love. Right. But then he flips it and he's all about dear mama. And he's, he's there for the women. And it's all about building them up, building up the community. Right. So he always had this twinning aspect. Also, it was even, it's even said. And if you look at a lot of his documentaries, it almost seems like he's got at least dual personalities like he's different people in these interviews right so it doesn't even seem like a lot of time you're talking to the same person especially when you're looking at like youthful tupac to like older tupac and i get it people change people get older and i know that's people's what people are going to throw no but even but but, but he wasn't that older but like what you're saying is even crazier because he was doing that at the same time frame. Like right. you're talking about, he would do one on MTV maybe and get all wild and like right. eh, spitting at the camera. And then he's going on a radio show like, yeah, you know what I mean? We got to just stick together. We got to build this community up. And I have a clip real quick of Too Short. And and before I get into what uh, the Too Short clip, I wanted to point out that remember, Tupac wasn't originally from Oakland. So uh, that original caller, <laughs> I mean, she left a message, but you know, her little message of like, oh, you know, I know Tupac. How do you know when he was a transplant? He wasn't born and raised in Oakland. He moved there, like, at, at a certain point. And, and this is what Too Short had to say about Tupac. People ask me this question from time to time about Tupac, like, you know, memorable moments and whatnot. But I just always remember that I was very aware of the fact that when you see Tupac approaching you, that one of my first thoughts would be, I wonder how he's going to act today. Because he had these different, to the extreme personalities where one day he'd be, you know, intelligent, insightful, and, you know, another day he might be militant, another day he might be feeling thuggish, and another day he might be the party guy or whatever, just in a, in a, in a, in a, in a, in a hype mood. Like, you know, so I just, I would just be like looking at him like, you know, when he gets ready to start talking, like, what do you get? And, and at first, I would like see him maybe do an interview and he'd be talking about like some, you know, some social issues and, and things that were really important to him in the black community. And I'd be thinking like, this guy is really like intense about these, these issues, right? And then another time you see him, he'd just be like, 
cigarettes, Hennessy, and blunts, <laughs> and ch- chasing girls. So uh, I think my best memories of Tupac are just those of the different contrasts and personalities that all were truly him. You see, he he lived it every day. You know what I mean? Because this is back in the day where you could kind of like, you know, when you see people, he really wanted to leave it thoroughly through that message. He couldn't just go on Instagram live and, and, you know, any social network and try to like put it out there. He had to go through the actual channels and meeting people. And this is, there's various people throughout when you hear interviews that say the same thing. Yeah, man. No, for sure. And it made me think about too, what that chicken and DM said, right? About, I knew Shot G. I knew Tupac. Well, let me tell you something about knowing people. There were people that knew Ted Bundy, right? There were people that knew Gacy. There were people that knew people that have done all kind of horrendous things throughout history. There were people that were married to those people and didn't know what they were doing. There were people that were hanging out with them at the barbecue that didn't know what they were doing. Bro, you don't really know anybody just because they lived in the neighborhood. They came up a certain way. It's like the Nipsey Hustle stuff, which we'll probably end up doing an episode about him at some point. It's the same thing. You know, he kind of appeared out of nowhere. Very, very similar to Tupac, but everybody knew him because he was in the community doing stuff for the community. But that's their purpose. Their purpose is to be a plant to look one organic, two, to do enough of what people would consider good things to fool everybody. Yeah, and do you remember, I think the guy's name was, maybe it was Charles Ramsey or something. Uh, There was that um, in Ohio, I believe it was Ohio. uh, You know, someone could fact check me on that. And there was some dude that like had like, you know, someone, a girl or a couple girls locked in his basement and they interviewed like his neighbor. And he's like, man, I ain't risen with that dude. Like, you know what I mean? Like we used to hit you and stuff. Like he had no idea. How would he know? He does, You don't know all the aspects. And even go another step. What about like Donnie Brasco? Like, you know, what about undercover cops that are in these, the infiltrate mobs or gangs that are like literally with these people every day for two, three, four, five years, depending on how long it goes. Right. They don't know. They think they know them. They feel like they know them, but they don't. They just know that persona that they've led on, especially when, you, like you said, all of a sudden this transplant pops up kind of out of nowhere. Like, yeah, they give you a little backstory. I came from here and, and I get it. People move around. It just doesn't fit. And when you're saying, oh, I know him, I know him. Like you said, no, you don't. What makes you know him? Just because you had, you know, you chilled with him, you smoked a blunt with him, you you partied with him, you you went to a studio session. That doesn't mean you know somebody, right, man? And that's not indicative of you knowing somebody's character either. Also, back to the Brasco stuff, man. If you are a plant, and if we're gonna if we're gonna go down the road, we're going. We're gonna say Tupac was born to be a plant. He's been trained his whole life for this. We're talking yeah. MK Ultra. He's his programming may even believe what he's telling you. So mm-hmm. he's going to make you feel that he's telling the truth because he probably believes it himself. Like, man, people get so lost in the sauce, man, when it comes to idolization and bowing down to these celebrity gods, man. It gets just so out of hand. It's like, listen, people can say some good things, and I glean good things from all kinds of people. Listen, Donald Trump. 
has said some decent things. So is Joe Biden. You can go back to Joe Biden, some of his younger stuff before his 80 clones came along. And he said some stuff where you're like, eh, it kind of makes some sense. I'm not saying that people can't say decent things, but still come from a place of, of pure evil. They can't. That's part of the game, man. That's part and of the game. And he's an actor. He, he came from Baltimore School of Arts. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, he, he, he's bred to do this. Like you said, like, whether he, knowing or unknowingly, that could be the only argument I think someone could come up with, right? And, like, maybe he, but he was bred, he knew, and every day this was installed into him. And we're talking about twinning, right? So not only mm -hmm. we're talking about the Janus Project twinning of, like, the soul and of the mind, right? That's the MK Ultra, But we're also talking about symbolic twinning. Biggie Smalls. Biggie was the antithesis, was the flip coin of the yin and yang to who Pac was, man. I mean, and there's a lot of symbolism there, man. Look at when they both died, like all of these like documentaries that came out, man. There was the, the USA Unsolved, where they had mm -hmm. them silhouetted head to head, and it looked like Janice. It looked like the god Janice, man. They put out this black and white imagery of both them two, very Masonic. Back to Janice, the duality. They were dual sisters. And, and where, where did Biggie go to? What did Biggie do? Biggie also, also came from the arts. They all do, man. They all come from the arts. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, they were very similar, but they were both brought in to play a role. Also, I don't know if you know this, but especially in the 90s and, 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 I know you do know this, but mm -hmm. I just said this rhetorically. But in the 90s, especially in the early 2000s, it was known that artists and actors and actresses, when they were brought in, they lied about their age a lot. And the reason yes. they lied about their age was so that they could do what? Connect to a younger audience, which is disturbing enough when you think about it because they're trying to brainwash the youth. So they would bring these guys in Eminem's a perfect example. There was an interview he did with, uh, oh man. Was it Howard Stern? Howard Stern, thank you. He did with Howard Stern, and he Howard Stern asked how old he was, and he said he was 24. But he's actually, when years later, when they started, you know, Google started putting the, the actual ages out mm -hmm. of people, he was actually like 27 or 28. He was older. So he's in the upper, almost hit 30, but it's more attractive to be in that early 20 bracket, right? Tupac, mm -hmm. very similar, man. He was 25 when he died, but he, and Biggie too. Biggie was 24. So they were 25, 24. What's well, really crazy, but they both look super old. They did not look yes. like they were 25 especially or 24. Biggie, man. <laughs> especially Biggie. And I'm not saying people can't look older, man. Like, I sure. get it. Let's say that that's true. Whatever. But let, for argument's sake, there was also an interview with Pac that he did. I, I, correct me if I'm wrong. It was I think it was with MTV's, like, walking by the beach. And I don't remember the interviewer. But he talks about being in, this is great right the late 60s during a time of yeah. like love and all this stuff and then she even corrects him and he's like oh yeah yeah he's like my mom so he even he even slips up on camera talking about his age now again when you start breaking down ages and you start looking into why they do this stuff with numbers there's different definitely a numerology 
numerological, probably said that wrong, geometric aspect. They're going to kill you on the comments, man. They will, and I don't care. (laughs) Geometric aspect (laughs) of what's going on with why they also bring those numbers in. So think about this now. If you're changing his birth date, maybe you know when he's going to die. Maybe there's mm-hmm. a significance for the date that he dies. And if you think about it, his final album dropped on February 13th. There's that 13, 1996. He dies September 13th. There's that 13 again of 1996. Check this out, man. It's 213 days apart. Which, mm. if you know anything about the 213, that's the area code of LA. Also, mm-hmm. to live and die in LA, it's seven months apart from the last yeah. date of his last album to, and, and I mean, and when I say last album, last album while he was alive to when he died, seven months. So there's that seven, two, man. So that geometria is all in it, man. Everything is really concise with how they've mapped every single thing out about his life. Yeah. And he, his message, um, you know, like where he talked a lot about this thug mentality, like, which didn't, it's not how we started, right? Like we spoke in the beginning, but then he really went heavy on this thug mentality, but he would sprinkle in these things. Like even in some of his songs, he would be like, yeah, you know, real motherfuckers really like, you know, they, they, they like the law, you know what I mean? He wouldn't, or, right. or the government, and he, he would sprinkle these in where people wouldn't really notice. It was real subtle. But I thought it was interesting when he had that in October 93, and he was accused of shooting two Atlanta police officers. Uh, Inside Edition, they, they kind of followed him. Here's a little clip of it, and they asked him, like, a couple questions. Here's a little 20-second clip. Mr. Shikor, with all due respect, you've been charged with shooting two off-duty police officers. There's a sexual assault charge against you, sir. Do you worry about the message this might send out to the people who buy your music? No, my people that buy my music should understand that we have a wonderful judicial system in this country, and it works. And I have to go through the system just like everybody else. I've only been charged. I've not been convicted of any crime, so my supporters and people know. The reason I played that, I thought it was significant. I know people could argue, like, oh, well, he's going to court. He's got to say some of these things. He's got to play the game. But there was numerous things, even in songs that he slipped into, where he was really, like, kind of praising the government. And, and it was more status. Like, the more you get older and the more you really listen to what he was saying, there was a lot of statism into what he was saying. Mm. And it was always, he never was like, he never talked about, you know, the Central Intelligence Agency, never really talked about the FBI. Like, it, when he would, he would talk about these mythical figures, but never pointing anybody in particular, which is always a red flag for me, is because if you're really against the system, call them out. You call know what them saying? devils call them out. out. Yes. Fuck the CIA. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree with you, man. He doesn't, it's it's just an overarching narrative of how he was anti-government, but he never pointed out the devils that he claimed that he pointed out. You know, and bringing up Nipsey Hussle again, there's a lot of pictures of Nipsey Hussle hanging out in cop cars. It, it It's just this, these black messiahs that come along every so often tend to have a lot of hidden connections to CIA, FBI, any three-letter agency you can think of. They're not getting this push organically. Also, here's a really 
interesting thing that I ran across about Tupac, man. And, and I didn't really think about it. We always talk about the educational system being pure brainwashing. Came down from the Rockefellers. We talk about what it's been implemented to do. Why? Is Tupac such an integral part of the educational system? Why are there full-on college classes that teach you about Tupac and what he said? It doesn't make any sense. Why is he idolized on the edu- in the educational system? That is a huge red flag to me because if he was anti-government, if he was really against the system, they wouldn't even promote him. He wouldn't even made it to where he got to, man. It wouldn't be possible. Yeah, yeah he wouldn't. We wouldn't make that at all. And and that kind of brings me into another clip that I thought was interesting because a lot of these clips I'm connecting from different people, different perspectives. A little bit of what he had to say. This is Lord Jamar. Uh, Lord Jamar. Uh, if anybody uh, listens to Eminem, they probably uh, hear uh, Eminem diss him all the time. But he's from this group called Brand Nubian, who was actually one of the positive groups in the. In yeah. the early '90s, that was trying to push this different message that People got pushed out of the way. Lord Jabbar so much too. Man. Well, he's just so opinionated. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> sometimes, I mean, I, I can understand. And plus, that. People got to remember, and he's always on Vlad TV. And Vlad, you know, how Vlad is man. Vlad makes you say just the way he forms stuff. But this is one on, on where I thought was super interesting, where he talks about a scenario where Tupac spit in the face of a cop and nothing happened. Seen this motherfucker spit in the face of a police officer, you and nothing it. happened to him. What you, you saw? Yes. What was the situation? <sighs> Motherfucking. First of all, this motherfucker was riding around in a Benz in Cali, guns in the trunk, <laughs> with no license plate. Just a Tupac sticker <laughs> where the license plate goes. <laughs> Why did he not have a license plate? Because he didn't give a fuck. Okay. You see what I'm saying? Like, like, this is the type of shit that he was on. So, like, I don't know. Niggas was at some shit. Snoop and them all was there. Fucking um, Naughty by Nature and them was there. Some fucking shit jumped off at a fucking... At an event, and police was out there, and you know what I mean? Trying to get my... I'll move back that off. Fuck you, motherfucker. You know what I mean? He spit in the face of a cop. Spit in the face of a cop, and, and he didn't get locked up. He didn't get locked up. And I thought it was crazy, too, how they're talking about he's rolling around with this vehicle without a license plate, which I would get, me or you would get, any normal person would get pulled over for that immediately. Man, I got pulled over for not having my tag, and I had the tag inside my glove the, my glove box. So, I mean, if you ran my plate, obviously my shit's registered. It's all updated. But I got pulled over for that. And they're not going to pull him over so it's just one of these things. And then people go, well, he did go to jail. But I was like, yeah, but it seemed like the timing was perfect when they actually let him go to prison. And, you know, he came out with me against the world. Why was it just that correlation of him going to prison and me against the world? Because then you, it gets into your psyche of like, yeah, they're after him. He's 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 on to the government and they're trying to get him because he's trying to unite us when it's mm-hmm. all bullshit. When he is really dividing us further and leading you astray. Because he's not allowing us to really unite the working class, which was one of my passions and everything. Then one of the reasons why I do this in general 
uh, is that I believe there's a lot of people and why we talk about some of these psyops and, and these created control oppositions that are really not allowing the working class to unite because then we would have the power. There's this constant struggle back and forth, back and forth. And he says it. And before I, we, we get into the next part, I just want to end it off with his prison. So he releases Me Against the World, and I have these three short clips of when he was in prison. One is just a fun one that I just had to put in there because uh, you're going to crack up. But uh, it's just interesting how he laid it all out. Months I spent in solitude, 23 hours a day, locked down, reading, writing. I wrote a script called Live to Tell. Um, What's about... It's like a semi-autobiography semi-autobiography on my life. Mm -hmm. Half me, half fiction. It's real good. It's my first attempt at really writing a screenplay. So he's writing a biography about himself, and he says it's half real, half fake. Like, what? Like, so what are you fabricating? Hey, you ever, you ever notice, too, when he talks, man, it's almost like he tries to sound more, quote-unquote, ghetto than he actually is, man. And you can actually tell that from back when he talked, even when he was younger with Digital Underground, how he sounded completely different. And, you know, he went to art school, man. Like, I'm sure that he wasn't talking like that in art school, man. That's just a different environment there. And it's like he, he even said autobiography, and then he was like autobiography. Like, it's almost like he did it on purpose. Like, I'm intelligent, but I'm gangster. And this is where I came from was the streets. This is why I talk like this when really it's all an act. And, and here and back to the MK Ultra stuff, Sean, like it could be switches that are flipped off on him, too, where maybe he's in front of his handlers and he talks like, I don't know, with a British accent. We don't know yeah, yeah. really what's going on here, especially when it comes to MK Ultra. And then to go back another, because you can watch this whole doc. There's a whole documentary. Well, I don't know if it's a documentary, but it's like a 45 minute interview that they did when he was in prison. And uh, this one I found very interesting because it just is speaking to what we said, putting that seed into people's brain. I think um, the reason being is that in every album, if you go backwards, people are just getting turned on to me. If you go backwards and you listen to the other albums I've put out, mm -hmm. it was a prophecy. This album, Me Against the World, was made before I went to jail, before I got shot. Mm -hmm. And all I'm talking about is going to jail and getting shot. Mm -hmm. So it was a prophecy. So when the album comes out, then you hear about what's really going on in my real life. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't have to say I'm keeping it real. You can listen to the music and go, whoa. You know what I mean? He said that. If I die tonight, mm -hmm. he said that. Um, and I'm law where I said some dudes in a mask coming to shoot me. I, I said it, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, and um, it ain't easy. I'm talking about being in jail. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And the judge not letting me out on bail. I mean, I said all of these things and then it happened. That's that's what he's, he even emphasized about death. Obviously, he wasn't dying. And he's I think this is around <clears throat> 95, right? I think it's 95 when they had this interview come out. That is just like a year later he dies. So he's trying to keep it in your brain that, hey, I'm telling everything I'm saying. Like he's a prophet. He wants to be this messiah character. The 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 the. That has to be, you know, like if you notice everything he said, they even talked about him getting shot five times. Like, you know how Jesus was on the cross. And when he's saying it in the interview, he's putting his hands out and he was like, the media crucified me. And he has his arms out as like he's being crucified. And it, it was just so telling that he's believing that he's this character and him. And I kind of lean that I think he knows 
and it could be MK Ultra-ish, but I really lean because the way he leans in to this character and knowing that he's an actor and went through all that schooling, I feel like it's just, this is just like his ultimate, you know how like people just want to do stuff like, I feel like uh, just randomly I'll throw it out there like that uh, Idaho guy, you know, that guy from Washington that murdered those girls and like he was like some criminology or whatever. I felt that he did that to almost like test his skills. Like, what did I learn? And that's how I feel with Tupac. Like he was like, well, this is the ultimate acting. You know what I mean? It's this is bigger than a movie. This this is living day to day, just like an undercover cop or anything like that. He's every day waking up as this character, which has this duality. And this last clip, this is not really referenced to anything. I just thought it was funny and kind of telling because, you know, uh, we kind I kind of joked around. I got two clips I want to play real quick. I kind of joked around the last podcast about, you know, like Tupac being gay. And, you know, a lot of people, it's a, it's a big rumor. But when I originally said that, I didn't know too much about that when I was younger. I was like 19 or something like that. And this first clip, uh, this is just a 10-second clip of where he's talking about someone that wrote him a letter uh, when he was locked up. Um, just recently, this lady wrote me named Clovis Benjamin from San Francisco. And um, she's a male woman. And she was writing me, telling me about her son, her nephew, had just been killed. And the day before he went to go, the day before he died, he was like, I'm going to get Tupac's new tape. So, so he had, what, what was the point of that? Like, there's no real reason to mention that unless you're trying to, I started connecting these dots. Is this the first person that was really kind of promoting the LBGT community? Because there's links that supposedly that he was, you know, with Madonna. Madonna was one of the big superstar people that was really pushing with this LGBT community. And the last evidence I'm going to give that Tupac's gay, because I think he's ultimately gay. He's wearing women's leather. He has a nose ring. His bandana's backwards. If you watch his like videos of when he was in art class, I'm going to post it on the Telegram. The Tupac's hoax uh, or the industry hoax that they did on him being gay. I was like, it's spot on. It's fucking great. But here is uh, uh, from Girl Chat. It's some kind of daytime talk show where they have a bunch of like washed up uh, actresses on there, like just talk yapping at their mouth. But they have a poem that Tupac wrote as like a project in this art school. And You're it's like to me. Beethoven. We love love letters, we right? We do. I want you to read this love letter because okay. it's um, poetic justice. Yeah. <laughs> you like that spin of the word? Yes. <laughs> I do. Okay. Read it. Oh, read this it. Is so sweet. Oh. Okay. He writes. Oh. <laughs> Dear Beethoven, I felt compelled to write to you. I can't really explain it, but I really feel good vibes from you. I would have never guessed that you and I would be friends. I want you to know that you can tell me anything if you ever need a shoulder to cry on. You can cry on mine. <laughs> and you will soon find out. I do not spare words. I say what I feel. Ooh, yes. So, if something I say scares you, please don't panic because I tend to get over emotional. Love that. It's like I've known you for years. We have so much in common. We both had heartbreak and we both adore candles. I do too. What else could I ask for? See you tomorrow. Beethoven. <laughs> for eternity. Tupac Shakur. Ha! <laughs> Gay! 
<laughs> First off, I can't even get through those chicks talking like, oh, ooh, yeah, that oh. stupid music in the background. Oh too, my man. god, man, that was tough enough. I was like, man, let's just get to like what he said. But no, I, I man, look, we can take this to what started being exposed in the mid. 2000s going up to 2010 going into now but where hip-hop took that big turn into a lot of the guys were either secretly bi or secretly gay or now you know a lot of them are flaunting it um pretty out in the open but to think that that wasn't going on in these ritualistic uh scenarios back in the 90s is stupid to think that because Hip hop was huge when NWA came out and made that huge crossover into the white audience because it was essentially them. I know MC Hammer, all that stuff, but we're talking about gangster rap. Yes. When gangster rap made that huge crossover. Then you had Dre, who came out the chronic, Snoop came out of that, and there was all the rumors about Dre. Being gay, which even Tupac, Tupac said some shit. Of, yeah, talked about <laughs> it, which I think is ironic that he brought it up. I almost feel like it was a situation where they all kind of were, and he was just pissed off at Dre. He's like, "Well, I'm just gonna go ahead and get us out there because you know he's yeah, fine off the handle." He was quoted as saying, "Dre just needs to go be producing beats, but he's busy sucking dick," <laughs> and he even called out Quincy Jones. Like he called out Quincy Jones for being by, and remember, he was the the supposed relationship with his uh uh his daughter that that really is weird too because she's never really spoken about it it's like she always has a handler by her side and i thought that was interesting but i also think that was intentional i think it was to play to like now that you had this whole crowd of like see he went against the illuminati and he went against the secret societies and he broke an oath and that's why he got killed but that's the fake story because they don't want you to know that he's this built-up messiah that you're supposed to follow. I believe that that's a psyop within a psyop, psyop within psyop within psyop. This is some inception shit. Right, you know I mean? bro, I'm with you. And it, it, re it really, again, history repeats itself. It reminds me so much of Kanye West right now, man. Yay. Like, it reminds me a lot of what he's doing right now with this whole, I'm against the system. I'm against this Illuminati. I know what's going on. They sacrificed my mom. I'm against... Jay-Z against Beyonce, then he's seen hanging out with them weeks later, you know, coming out of a, a, a restaurant. And funny thing about that was there were people trying to say that that was from before when it was clearly taken in a period of time after he was already bashing them. So again, it's all optics, right? It's all about what they want you to see. It, they want you to see that he is anti the system that he's for the people but again man when you dig deep into the lyrics when you dig deep into his life he doesn't really represent that man and you can go back to any of these major figureheads um in hip-hop eminem there's another one man and and i want to say this like because i don't want to seem like i'm railing on black people but eminem was the person that really connected with the white hip-hop audience in a way that no black hip-hop artist could and by him doing that he became essentially the white messiah of hip-hop he did how many times have we seen him with either e evil sorry either like devil gear on dressed like the devil even some jesus imagery in there as well they call him the goat 
all of this imagery, he has become that. How many times have people said that he's the white pot? He's even said it himself in the lyrics. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting too, uh, backstory that a lot of people don't realize too is <clears throat> Eminem used to get compared to Nas. A lot of people said he sounded like Nas. You know, not a lot. Then people are saying he sounds a lot like Master Ace, a uh, uh, old school guy from uh, uh, New York. But his whole like he never had this crazy style like chainsaw running up until supposedly. I mean, it's hard to say, but there's this guy in New York named Cage Kennels who raps crazy and he he says a lot of like crazy demonic shit. So it's almost like. Now, I'm not saying that, like, he's in the Illuminati as well, but what I'm thinking is that, like, they said, hey, take this guy's persona, run with it, we're going to build you off of that. And and there's all these building blocks from that, and I agree with you. And what I will say is, uh, the reason I think it's important to touch on these things is for, like, to tell people, because I don't like to say the black community, but anybody, because they're trying to make you into this community where you're not a part of all of us. Why are they saying, hey... Let's have a positive, let's have a fun time, you know, like, like summertime, even though I'm fuck Will Smith too, but you know what I'm saying? But uh, <laughs> p- people that like this positive message was left out and then it's all about let's sell drugs, you know, like pick up that gun. You know how it is. We got to do what we got to do. There was even an interview where Tupac was saying like, yeah, I know we can never get rid of the guns and the gang. Fight. What are you talking about, bro? Like you're saying you're against the system and you're not even talking about how the system built and kind of got these gangs started you're not talking about where these drugs come from he's not talking about how the cia and nicaraguan war you know really funded and built these cartels he's not talking about that at all he's talking about like oh it's never gonna change but you know together we can like kind of find a way like no man see that's that little message that people were missing because they heard some of it where they felt like oh no he's, he's he's here for us and he would show up in the community like like you said i believe nipsey was kind of like a little play off that as well on a little bit lower of level. He wasn't as, you know, huge as Pac. Like, not everybody knew him. He was more like a mythical, like, you know, people kind of knew. Everybody in the industry, it's like one of those your favorite rapper's favorite rapper kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like, that's what Nipsey was. But Pac was definitely detrimental to the black community in a way where he made it seem like there's no real thing you could do. You have to be in this thug life. But, you know, we can figure it out. We'll continue in this thug mentality, but we'll always, like, link together and we'll be a group. Instead of saying, like, hey, man, the government's fucked up. They're trying to divide us all. They don't want us, you know, all of us, they want us all in poverty. They they, they don't want us to link up and have an actual movement that can actually make some, you know, change, make actual change. And that's my problem with them. And it's weird because it was always this thought, and maybe it's because I've never... Throughout my whole life, I never understood why people idolize people. So I think, like, I never disliked Tupac, but the more people idolized him, and after he died, like, because when he died, I was probably, like, 15, 16, something like that. And I just couldn't understand why, like, yeah, I mean, sucks that when someone dies, but I'm like, you don't know him. But these people were invested. People were crying. And, and I felt like all this, this, the thing about his death, and I was wondering, I think we should start, like, kind of, Digging into his actual death, because I think there's a lot that is very, very suspicious about his death in general. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's almost like it was set up. It's almost like it was a movie. It's almost like he's an actor and he's playing a role. And we all, or not all of us, but a lot of people bought it hook, line, and sinker. No, I, I totally agree with that, man. Because, you know, you could even talk about Afini Shakur, her death. She died like hours before the original Machiavelli was born. 
So everything plays into these numbers, man. Every everything plays into this ideology, and I do believe that part of the psyop is they want a good chunk of people to believe that their Messiah is still alive, their Messiah is still there for them. And listen, I'm not saying that he might not. He might be like you know. There's a there's a there's a good chance that he could be like alive and this was all a big hoax right you know I, I get that part of it that part i get with but the why why did they why would they want you to know that he could still be alive man because it gives you hope and this is what i, I want to piggyback on what you said earlier sean where you said you didn't want to really specifically talk about communities in that specific way the reason why i talk about the black community in a specific way is because of what black people have had to go through here in the United States, which wasn't great, but how many times are they given a Messiah and they fall for it? Hook, line, and sinker. It's because the media keeps putting them in this mentality that they can't get out of whatever situation that they're in. And listen, I get that there are inner city situations and there are bad things that are done to people, but it's similar to what they did to broke white people with Trump. They gave them somebody, a Messiah that could save them. And this is what they've done Time and time again, and I don't understand why the black community is so just, they get super angry with these idols. It's like next level to me. It's because they need to have that savior to save them. And Tupac still is, and I think that's why they want you to think, and there's a lot of people that think he's still alive. I uh, When I say communities, the reason I don't like saying it is because there's no real black community. Like, there's no, like, zip code. Like, right. hey, uh, where can I locate it? I think that's a, a term. I mean, it. I get it. Like, I have to use it sometimes because to describe what we're talking about. But there is no real white community, black community, the gay right. community. They they use these two, that uh, term to use to separate us as Great. well, you know? Uh, but w- I get it. For these purposes, we have to say that to, like, kind of get people because that's what reference point people have. And I well, agree with Well, they're targeting you. a certain people. Tupac mm-hmm. was targeted specifically. Towards- for black people. Yeah, a lot of white people liked him and loved the image and all that kind of stuff, man. And that was just a byproduct of putting him out. They're like, ah, we'll get all these like white people doing drugs and, and wannabe gangsters and all that too. We'll we'll lead them down a path too. That was just the byproduct. The real the real game was to control black people. And they did and a good job. They still do with him. That's yeah, what's so crazy. I, and I have this, and this is just what I feel. Some of that, I think, goes back to the British Empire, man. Mm. Remember, the Haitians are the one that that, <laughs> that took them out. And yeah. I feel like I feel like that. And, you know, that is what I think they're scared of them, I, that, in my opinion. And yeah. I think that's why they're always trying to because I think that when we get that's like that missing key, like when we unite, it's over. Right. You know what I mean? But that's why they have. Oh, no, this community, that community. And I'm with you. Cause there was so many crazy conspiracies, but the conspiracies always had to deal with. He's still alive. And right. the, the way he's still alive is because he faked his right. The whole mock of man, we're kids. We're like in high school and they're like, yeah, man, you, he changed his name. to Ma- I didn't even know who Machiavelli was. There's no Google at this time where I can go Google it and figure it out. They're like, yeah, Machiavelli, man. Uh, he faked his death, man. And like, you know, like it kept going on. There was that song he did with bone thugs and after busy bone, he's like, 
Everyone's like, yeah, you hear it? He's alive. He's alive. Like, oh, man, he's alive, bro. He said it. Like, there was all these little artifacts <laughs> that you'd find, like, and that, you know, we'd go to school, man, did you hear about this? And it, But it always revolved around him still being alive. I mean, there's this one that had popped up in the more recent time, I want to say the last five, ten years, where, um, I forgot, I think it's Akil or whatever. He's from this group called Jurassic Five in California, uh, in, in L.A. Yeah, and everybody, and he, and he, everybody claims that he's too, he's not. I know he's not. Like, I've met, <laughs> like, but what happens is that that whole allure of the, you know, the 20 years prior, the 15 years prior to that, you know, there was this whole thing that he's going to resurrect in, uh, what was it, like, uh, uh, was it 15 years or, like, 20 years or something like that? But it was going to be in like 2007 or 2017. Like they wrote an article and this is the media playing this game. Rolling right. Stones wrote an article July 7th, 2007 or 2017. But still, 777. It goes back to that number. What was his album? Machiavelli, uh, uh, Caluminati, The Dawn, The Seven Day Theory. You know right. what I mean? Like this seven was huge and, and everything that he played a part in. And that was part of the lure. They talk about how bad it is, you know, like uh, the media and and don't listen to conspiracy theories. But why are they pushing this one? Why did so many media outlets talk about, hey, maybe he is alive? Like, they didn't per se say he is, but they allowed it to happen. There is actually, even on that day that he was supposed to come back, the CIA tweeted, we don't know where Tupac is. It's wild, man. And everybody was commenting, oh, I'm glad you guys have a sense of humor. And I'm like, what, it's like, what do you mean? No, no, is he not in his grave? Shouldn't you know where the fuck he is if he's dead in a grave? Yeah. It's part of that allure. It, it, it's like they let this. It's like one of those, those urban legends, you know, like they're like, hey, man, don't flash your lights at that guy. Because if you flash your lights at a guy that has his lights off, he's going to kill you. Like there's it's an urban legend. It became part of this like whole like or, like Tupac myth. This mythological person that, man, he faked his death. He's going to come back and save us. Like you said, right. the resurrection. And, the, and when he died, he, let's break that down a little bit. Let's go back to the number shit. He was in Vegas, right? Going to see Tyson fighting. When he's leaving, he runs into this character, Orlando Brown. What jersey is he wearing? Number 13. You know yep. what I mean? Yep. Here we go back with the 13. How many times was the car shot? Shot up. 13 times. You know what I mean? Pronounced dead. Friday the 13th. And they said Kabbalah, and, and uh, like Kabbalists or Kabbalism or whatever, the number 13 meaning of the snake, the dragon, Satan, the murderer. It's crazy, man. Hey, and and it Tup goes back to Shakur, shining serpent. Yeah. Like That's all I'm saying. Yeah. It's all tied in. It's all tied even in, man. And he even had an emblem of of, of an angel, a, a angel of death. It wasn't like a, a. And to me, that kind of goes to your theory, which you said in the way beginning, not theory, but like I'm theory a little bit loosely because I think there's a lot of factual evidence to it. Is that it's this kind of Nephilim bloodline, whatever that may be. Like like you said in previous episodes. Now is it this? It they may believe it. Maybe it's not what we think it exactly is, but they believe that. They believe that they come from this God bloodline, this godly uh, uh, angel, like spiritual bloodline, and they're passing it on. And you could see it with Tupac. So I'm about to get crazy, Sean. Been waiting. Tighten them up. Tighten them up. Tighten them up. 
my cheeks up, baby. <laughs> what if he does come back? What if he comes back in this form that nobody thinks about when it's time, when it's the ascension of, of when they're ready, when, when, the, when the globalists are ready to unveil the unveiling, the, the Nephilim, UFOs, Project Blue Beam. What if Pac comes back to specifically control a certain group of people, black people? What if he comes back and he becomes that messiah? What if there are several messiahs? You know, they say in the, in the last days, there will be false prophets that run rampant across the earth. What if, what if they have been keeping him? If he's one of these bloodlines, of course they'd fake his death. Of course they'd keep him hidden. Yeah, they want to make, they want to leak this out for years and years and years, Sean. So when he does come back, people are like, oh my God, he was alive the whole time. He's now back because he realized in this moment, mm-hmm. he's here to save us. Dude, if Pac came back, do you know what kind of power he would wield? Oh my god! everything bro everything we're not even talking about the music industry we're just talking about in general what he would what he would run and i'm telling you especially if he's tied into three-letter organizations if he's of the bloodline again we think that afini didn't have him so who is he really born of yeah that's a great point man no i i can totally see that and it's very curious that there was no body no public funeral. Planned memorial services in LA and Atlanta were canceled. And then he was just cremated. Right. Mm. And I couldn't, I didn't get to dig this up because like timing wise, but I'm going to dig this up and I'll post it on the kill, uh, kill the mockingbird telegram as well. Why is it that there was a news report that was just like, yeah, he's good. Like s- stable condition. Looks like he's going to make a recovery. Cause I remembered that before mm. I saw that, because I saw that on, on, on one of the documentaries I was watching when I was like kind of doing research for this. I always told people, I was because I remembered be, growing up and saying like, oh man, it's not a big deal because it was like the first time he got shot, you know? Mm. Oh yeah, he's gonna, he'll be, he's fine. And they were talking about like, oh, he's good. And then all of a sudden, it took a word. Uh, uh, this changed direction. And, oh, he's dead. And you're, it was surprising to me at the time because I was like, wait, wait, what happened? It's not like they were like, oh man, like look at the DeMar Hamlin situation, right? right? We got update on update on update on update. Like, all right, he's this, he's here, he's there. They they just like made that update and they just kind of like, you know, veered off from it. And then the next thing you didn't hear nothing about it. And then they're like, oh yeah, he's dead. And you're like, well, that's kind of <laughs> weird. And that brings me to my last series of clips, which kind of again ties into what you started this whole episode out with. Why are all these stories so inconsistent? I'm going to show... Four different people that were at that were at that scene that night that all have different stories of how Tupac got to the hospital. We're gonna start off with Suge Knight, who was in the car with Tupac and his version of what happened. He shot, I'm gonna get you to the hospital. I'm driving, telling him I'm gonna get you to the hospital, kick back. Pac looked at me and said, You know what? You need the doctor more than me, you the one shot in your head. And we laughed the whole time going to find our way to the hospital. That's the conversation we had. It wasn't, Pac was a man the whole time. It wasn't that he was like, oh, I'm shot. He cracking jokes. He's like, yeah, they shot me. He said, but you shot in your head. Look at your head. Your head bleed. Look how much it's bleed. That was Pac. And I'm like, man, shut up. I'm going to get you to the doctor. So from Suge saying he was 
He drove him there. He's saying he drove Tupac to the hospital, and they're joking the whole time there. This is the last part. I think this is like about 12-minute clip, 12-second clip. He's, he's going to finish it off, but you notice how he was like, they're laughing, he's good, he's like, he's, nothing's wrong with him. So he, he was conscious on the way to the hospital. <laughs> he was conscious on the way to the hospital. He was conscious in the ambulance. He was conscious after, uh, after they did the surgery. What was the last thing that he said to you? They loved me. We was in the, you know, we was going in the, we was on the thing, it was getting there. I like, pocket, you we the last one left. When we talk, this is how we talking. He said, homie, I'm straight. I love you, homie, I'm gonna be straight. I love you too. That's, that's, that's what it was. So, he was conscious the whole time. He was good, right? Well, from Shook's perspective, that's how he painted the whole picture. Now, this clip is a little bit longer, but the reason I left it longer, it's about two and a half minutes, is because I thought it was important to keep all of it. This is Chris Car Car Carlo or Carol, whatever. He was the officer that first approached the vehicle. The first guy on scene, pretty much. And he tells a completely different story. I pulled it open. Uh, the guy sitting in the passenger seat, who tunes out later to be Tupac, he kind of slumped out, came out with the door. So he's in the car, he's leaning against the door, and as I open the door, he kind of spills out. So he spilled out, and I just kind of grabbed him with one hand, and then I was pointing the gun at Suge with the other, because Suge is still trying to run up to me, and you know the guy's clearly a threat. He was also uh, just absolutely gushing blood out of the side of his head, but he's acting fine. I mean, he's not incapacitated in any way, He's shooting blood out of the side of his head, and he starts yelling at Tupac, and he's yelling at him, pack, pack, and he just keeps yelling, pack. And I can see, then I look down, I can see Tupac is trying to yell back to Suge, and he's just kind of not physically able to do it. And he's kind of, you know, you can see him sort of mouthing, and, and they're in eye contact with each other. And he's trying to get something out to yell at Suge, and he can't get the words out. But he's still, you know, he's, he's fully conscious. Uh, he's moving. He's kind of squirming. And that's when I looked at him, and I re he's, there was, you know, an extensive amount of blood on him. And I saw that he had, I couldn't tell exactly where it was, but he had clearly had torso wounds, which... Uh, are of course, you know, almost always going to be life-threatening. So I realized then uh, this guy has a good possibility of dying. So I I looked at him and I, I said, you know, what happened? Who shot you? Who did this? You know, what's going on? And he's just really just kind of ignoring me. He's not even, you know, even though I'm right there holding him, he's just kind of not acknowledging my presence. And he's trying to yell back at Suge. Well, I turned around... Uh, at Suge, and that was the first time I noticed I saw the back of another bike officer, and he was pushing Suge away from me. And that's the first time I realized there's other cops there. So that made me feel a lot better. So he kind of pushes uh, Suge back, and uh, Suge is still yelling, pack, pack. He's trying to yell at him. And then I saw Tupac just all of a sudden, it, just in an instant, he went from trying to, you know, kind of squirming, looking at Suge, trying to get the words out to where you could tell he physically just gave up. He just wasn't able to do it. And he just, he just crossed that line into just quitting and being at peace. And he just kind of laid back and was calm and was no longer looking or trying to do anything. 
And uh, I could just see it, it uh, that he was just, uh, you know, it's kind of like a, almost like an athlete or a runner when they hit that wall and it's just like it's over. And you could see, you could see that in his face. And uh, I looked at him once again. I said, what happened? Who did this? Who shot you? And now he's looking at me, so we're looking at each other in the eyes. And this is kind of the first time he's even acknowledging my presence. And uh, he looked at me, and I could tell he was, you know, he was getting a breath together to tell me. And he looked me right in the eyes, and we looked at each other, and he said, fuck you. And he said it just like that with an emphasis on that F to, you know, to really let me know. Uh, that's how he felt. So uh, he said that, and right after he said it, he kind of, he just kind of started, you know, started gurgling, and uh, you could tell he was in bad shape, and his eyes, he's starting to lose consciousness then, and his eyes roll back. And as it turns out, that would be his last conscious moment and his last words. So his last conscious moment. So Shug says he was, that's why I know the clip was long, but it's like, man, there was so much in there. Shug says he was cool. He drove him to the hospital. They're joking the whole way. He's like, don't worry, man. I'll see tomorrow, whatever, right? Like this bullshit. And then this cop that's on the scene, that at the scene, he's saying Tupac's last words, which goes perfectly with his persona of fuck you, my thug mentality. I don't care if I'm dying. Fuck you, pig. Like, that's crazy right. to me. And then he's like, that's his last thing he says. Like, oh, the last thing I have to say is fuck you. Like, not like, hey, tell my mom I love her. Hey, tell Mike, da-da-da. No. Fuck you. <laughs> to the hey, cop. this makes me think of DeMar Hamlin waking up and saying, hey, did we win? Right? Yes. Like, it just, it, there's a part of me that knows how football players are, and maybe. But at the end of the day, you, you're not even in the state to write. They said he wrote it. So it's not even like he spoke to this doctor and why is it these people these figureheads that are really good at interviews that come out and tell this story that cop was great like he he told a, a fantastic story the way he mapped it out the way he broke it down and he said he even laughed about it he looked at me and said fuck you and he's like huh. and, and the way he laughed was kind of like as only he could you know what yeah. i mean <laughs> Yeah, you know how Pac was? He was a character. <laughs> yeah, so it's so funny how they get into these and they let, then it builds that like whole like urban legend, you know, like, man, he was such a real one. You know what I mean? Like even, even at his last breath, he was like, fuck the government, fuck the cops, which he wasn't necessarily against because he only said specific things. But I just thought, and this guy came out of nowhere. This interview happened on Vlad TV and this happened. I don't know, like what, five years ago? So yeah. like probably like 20 years after he died, because I think it was 20 years. The 20 years was supposed to be when his resurrection. And you're kind of making me think just because, uh, you know, that's what happens on this show. We start getting ideas and we're talking about Tupac coming back. Does it really have to be him that comes back, right? We had the, the whole Coachella Clone, thing. baby, clone! Maybe, but or maybe a hologram because they already kind of played with that with the Coachella, mm -hmm. him coming back. And the first song that he went, because I was there, the first song that like went off, Hail Mary. Why was Hail Mary? I mean, he had tons of hits, tons of songs you could use. What Hail if? Mary. What if? And we talk about transhumanism. We talk about Nephilim bloodlines. What if the version of him that comes back is an ascended version of him? Mm. When we're moving in this new age of 
what the globalists want us to go to, the NWO, New World Order, whatever name they come with, it's the name we use because it's the name that they tend to bring up still, even when they're up there, these politicians. But what if he comes back as a suspended version of Tupac? See, this is what I think. I think there's going to be a antichrist, but I also think there's going to be other messiahs that help help control groups, help control countries, help control. You got to have a system that works its way down from the top, the pyramid, Definitely. right? You got to have the rest of the pyramid that comes down from the eye. And when we're in that age, what if Pac will be an integral part of that? Because I'm going to tell you right now, if you go up to the average person, I don't care how old they are, how young they are, You can talk about hip hop and they know who Tupac is. It's very similar to Michael Jordan when it comes to basketball. You don't even like Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson, pop. Same thing. Same thing. 100%. And I had this other clip. I'm not going to play this one. I have two more clips, but I'm going to only play one of them. The one other clip, it's just, it's more of a clip you have to kind of watch. It's the paramedics that were there and they kind of like paint the scene. Uh, you know, actually, I am going to play because there is one thing they say at the end, the news clip. So this was on iTeam Channel 8 Las Vegas. This is local. Uh, I forgot. There is something at the end that I wanted you to hear. That you're, It kind of caught me off uh, guard where I'm like, hmm, that's interesting. We and brought the gurney brought up. Over. Just pulled them out. Mm-hmm. Pulled them out. Um, and that's when, you know... That's when I, everybody was yelling, um, Tupac, Tupac. And I leaned over to the cop and I'm, I, you know, I, I go, this guy has the same nickname as that rapper. And the cop, you know, looked at me and leaned over and was like, this is him. Then a second patient. We got word from PD um, that there was another guy that was shot in the head. Jim and I, I believe, you know they they walked him over to the ambulance he got in and it was ended up being suge knight who was grazed on the head he wanted us to make sure that we took care of tupac right. before him and then with three metro police officers inside their ambulance and a police escort not typical protocol a ride to university medical center followed by jim telling shane who their patient was wasn't typical protocol for the officers to be in the ambulance with them. The escort, I believe that I, that's not, that could be typical protocol, but why were the officers in there with him? That makes me more. And that, that was one of the things like a lot of this has already kind of got me there. And you know me, I try not to, I'm all in bro. I think he's controlled opposition. I can't like see it off. Like, why was it like that? And if you watch these guys, they're being interviewed and their eyes are moving left and right. And they're, and you even kind of heard them. They're like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's what it was, right? Like they're trying to keep that story going. This last one's like a 10 second clip. And I usually don't like to call people crisis actors. I know there are crisis actors I don't like to call it, but this has to be a crisis actor. There's no fucking way. This was another theory, a witness, this white lady that was just roaming the streets. And before I even play that, one thing I thought was interesting too, you're in Las Vegas. I know it was 96, right? But you know damn well there's cameras on every corner. How is there nobody that was able to uh, figure this all out? And that one dude, ah, I can't think of his name right now. He's on Vlad TV like, yeah, we killed Tupac. It is what it is. No one's looking into him. No one cares because he didn't die. His character's dead. 
And this girl just going off on a completely another story. Um, when it happened, we didn't know if we heard gunshots or we didn't really know exactly what we heard. We heard a lot of screaming, um, a lot of cars screeching. Um, we were just hanging out, taking taking photos at the time. We ran up the street as cops were running past us. And uh, by the time we got here, they were already taking, um, which now I found out was Tupac, into the uh, helicopter away he had been shot. So he was airlifted. She's saying he got picked up in a helicopter and was airlifted. You're like, what? So Suge is saying he drove him there. Right? He drove them there. They're joking the whole time. Not a big deal. He almost was like, yeah, you know, everybody gets shot. It's not even a big deal. Wasn't even bleeding that much. Then you hear the cop story, and he was like, oh, my God. This this dude was just bleeding everywhere. He slumped down, fell on the street, and then he's like, you know, had that last ounce of energy because you know how Tupac was. No matter if he's about to die or not, he's going to make sure he says, fuck the police, and then that's his last dying words before he's, you know, eyes rolling back in the head, gurgling. Then you have this girl that's saying he's airlifted. It, it's all these mixed stories of what happened. It's that's what happens when, when if you've ever met a liar. That's what they do. You, they can never keep their story straight. You know, they're like, hey, I thought you said you were at McDonald's. You're like, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, yeah, we did go to McDonald's. But I forgot. First, we went to the gas station. And that's what it reminds me of. It's nobody's getting the story straight. It's like everybody's just rolling and trying to just go at the time. And it worked. Because the internet what is, wasn't what it is today. Because you couldn't do the same thing. Because there would be cameras everywhere. And then to just get into the infamous, the photo, right? The photo at the red light where some guy's like, hey, what's up, Park? Hey, yo, da, da. And just happens to have his camera. He's a cameraman. He has a camera. Is it cool if I take a picture of you? Yeah, yeah, you want to go party with us? Sure, sure. Boom, takes a picture. If you look at that picture, not only does the car not have a license plate, which we kind of addressed earlier that supposedly he just drove around without a license plate and nobody cared. There was no key in the ignition. There was no key. It looked like a photo. Where, where's the reflection from the red lights? Where it, it, it looks like a staged photo. It's like the moon landing photos. They're fake. <laughs> and gay. This one is really fake and gay. <laughs> So much symbolism too, like when you go even in like the whole orange, right? You know, the symbolism of orange. They were, he was wearing orange. There was a body double. If you look into like, there was a guy that was there that night, this guy, Devin Clark. If you look into that, go Google Devin Clark. He was there that night as well, wearing the same thing as Tupac, a body double, like which we've talked about a lot. Yeah, there's cloning, but there's also body doubles. That's been throughout history. You're talking about early centuries you're talking about roman time you know what i mean roman empire they had like stand-ins of caesar and, and and different emperors this is not a new thing but it just that that one picture to me like just kind of seals the deal with after you hear all these obvious lies because that's not what happened where's the key where's the key to the fucking ignition i think it was tough for people back then to be able to decipher that code unless you were close to the situation because like you said you didn't have the quote unquote internet sleuths like you do now. And now it's become such a myth. It's become such a figment of our imaginations now. You know, we're looking at almost, God, man, going on 30 years later. And when you think about it, now that there's people that have been able to dig and pull it up, you have such an ideological fan base that is so bought into this idol. And so bought into him that when you put this info out there, a lot of them won't accept it because they can't. 
Because to them, if they admit that Tupac was created, then they have to admit that they were fooled. And it goes back to that cognitive dissonance that we always talk about with people, that they'll never admit they're wrong because that is admitting that you were fooled, that you were tricked. It's just like with anything that's gone on since 2020 and beyond, but especially with 2020 with some of the big stuff there, people are having a hard time coming to grips with they were wrong, they were tricked. And when you can get over that hump of being wrong, of being tricked, and I don't care who you were hanging out with. I was hanging out with them. I don't care. Like just because yeah. you were, just because you took a couple shots at 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 Marvin's barbecue with such <laughs> and such, and rolled some dice in the back alley, doesn't mean that you fucking knew them. It's not how it works. I don't care if you're married to them. You know, it doesn't mean you really know somebody. You know, we can hope to achieve as human beings a certain level of discernment, right? That we can understand if somebody's lying to us. Um, but even then, people can trick you. It's just a part of life. But admitting that you were tricked is also part of growth, is part of evolution. And this is why, like, you and I wanted to do this because it was important to let people know how we feel. Look, I do a lot of these reels online. In, on, we say this a million times in a minute and 30 seconds. I can't tell you exactly how I feel about it. I'm just putting some info out there that hopefully yep. you can relate to and you can go look into it. But don't get so get your butt cheeks all tightened up because you idolize somebody. Go look into it. Maybe you'll find out, oh, man, it's not really what it seems. And I think we put a lot of info out today that'll let people know that. Well, I mean, he was killed or shot like he did. That's, you know, he officially died right. on the Friday. Th but he was shot on September 7th at the age of 25, two plus five, seven. There's all these sevens, <laughs> that, you know, the resurrection. And then all of a sudden this album of he's Machiavelli, you know what I mean? Right. And, and just to break that down a little bit, he's on the cross, right? Yes. He, to your point earlier, he's this well, Messiah. Sean, how much, how much? messiah imagery have we seen with him oh, i mean yeah. dude bro i've seen pictures that we're talking artists him with a crown of thorns yep. all crosses dying bro we're talking about tupac who was like fuck bitches and i'm getting money the like the originator that took it yeah. to where it is now you know nwa yeah but like he took it to another level of like what gangster rap really definitely is. bro like you're saying that that is a messiah, and that is the game. That was Cointel Pro, bro. That was J. Edgar Hoover. He had a disdain for black people, and part of that yes. disdain was is to implement somebody that could lead them down a path, promote certain things that would keep them down. And you look at any black person who has tried to make a difference, and for lack of a better word, in that community, they have always been against the things that seem to be at the forefront of what is quote unquote being black, right? Mm -hmm. Why mm -hmm. is it that there's an educated black person and because they're educated and they're trying to help their community out in a different way, they're considered being white. Why is that? Why is that? You know why? Because of this right here. It started with Tupac. It started with NWA. It started with this mentality. This is cool. This is being black. 
That's why yeah, you yeah. and I. That's why you and I got hell for identifying with hip hop culture just because we like the anti system element of it. Mm-hmm. What do we get called all the time? Being black, a wigger. Mm-hmm. That's what we got called growing yep. up. You know, one hundred percent. But that's because it's been created to divide. It's been created to keep people down. Tupac was created to keep black people down. You heard it first. Get your butt cheeks tight. No, it's 100%. And when he was talking about everything's, you know, this was a prophecy. What's the video that immediately comes out, like right after he's dead? I ain't mad at you, right? Where Mm -hmm. he's getting shot. It's almost the same scenario of what happened to him. Randomly, some guy comes up and shoots him. Nobody's around to witness it. You know, then he's in heaven. Then you got that whole, does heaven have a ghetto? Or uh, I don't know if it was that song. Then they had another song where, like, you know, he, he comes out and changes. You know, this whole, they did changes, changes too later. You, you know what I mean? All these aspects of where he's, like, resurrecting. They had so much imagery and stuff in the music. He even talked about, like, he made himself seem like some sort of messiah or some sort uh, in that greatest hits album, he he says, "Expect me." This now you have to really pay attention to this. It's on the song "Better Days." It's a, and on the outro in the ad libs, he says, "Expect me like you expect Jesus to come back." Bro, come on, man! Like it's it, right it's there. official. He's a psyop, man. He's a psyop. He's controlled opposition. I mean, you could see all of the. Just go look at the Machiavelli cover. Not only and, and not even just the basic stuff of where he's on the cross. The the compass. There's a Masonic compass oh, at yeah. the top of the cross. There's different color schemes. They they've woven it all into that, and and he brought that allure of the myth of where he's like, man, remember how everybody he predicted his death? Did he, or did he just know that this character was going to die at some point? Because in that video as well, they show a tombstone and it says Machiavelli. It doesn't say Tupac Shakur. It doesn't right. say his full name. It says Machiavelli. So Machiavelli dies, this character dies, and he can go back to living as Mr. Crooks. (laughs) Right, bro. Or one of his other MK Ultra personalities. Bro, you don't even know. Like Tupac is Kanye West. (laughs) (laughs) There's There's a part of me that thinks that some of these quote unquote pictures that they release that are supposedly him in these other countries are really him. And I think they want to keep those going. What if? What if he is MK Ultra to the point of he is an actual op? He is a literal CIA op. He's fully trained. What if he's going out on missions, bro? I'm going there. I'm going there today. Yeah. I'm saying if somebody's MK Ultra, bro, they have been divided a million different ways systematically through their minds since they've been born. So they're trained in a in a lot of different facets to react in different environments. You got to understand that. You got to understand these these black widows, for lack of a better word, these women that are MK ultraed from a from a kid. Some of them are created to infiltrate people of power because they're beautiful. They're but they're, they're highly trained, and they can take these guys out or or get information that they need. It goes the same with dudes too, man. And why wouldn't a guy like that be used for something like that? And what if there is a plan? to quote-unquote bring him back. I think it's highly likely at some point in the future. What about 2027? He'd be 31 years old, allegedly 31 years old, but you know what I mean? Like we said that, we don't know. His, I mean, I just feel like the sevens, because he's got this sevens all over. It's crazy. Like you said, there's a lot of three and 13, but the seven. And then I was thinking like, okay, 
Well, the 13, one plus three is four, right? He comes back in 2027 at 31, three plus one. That's 13 backwards. Is four like you know what I'm saying like and when he's coming back he's coming back in his Super Saiyan Nephilim form with six figures on each hand and he's holding two mics in each hand four mics baby he's going I'm gonna, after- bat- I'm gonna battle him to the death <laughs> <laughs> we're just gonna rap battle until we die he's gonna die <laughs> death by rap battle <laughs> no I think I think that it's a great argument man and like uh, like I said I'll post um a few of the links. And uh, definitely you should check out Industry Hoax, one of the, my favorite YouTube channels. I've been watching them for a while. I'm glad you uh, kind of riled that person up to get this episode out because I, I think we talked about doing something like this a long time ago, even before we're doing the podcast, I think. Because like, we both had already saw the Tupac Hoax stuff and we were watching a lot of it because for I think it was in the first and 20, when I wanted to get away from all the COVID shit, like when, you know, it was like mid-2020, I was like, all right, man, kind of like, so I just all day was just like going through like i was like oh my god and each video hits and it's great production man dude kills it man oh, so yeah. definitely gotta check it out i'm gonna put the the is tupac gay one for sure on the <laughs> telegram uh yeah i i'm with you i think my final like thing to say about it is i 100 think that tupac was controlled opposition i believe that he probably could have been mk ultra but i think he played into it because he's one of those egotistical people it seems like just like trump that like they they're the perfect person to play it. And I feel like he was like, I'm playing the ultimate role. Man, I totally agree, man. I'm with you on that. That's my final say, too. I've been feeling that way for a long time when it comes to him. It, there's just too much that doesn't add up around every... From his birth to his death. None yep. of it adds up. Like None of it adds up at all. And the only thing that does add up is a lot of numbers that add up to specific numbers. <laughs> In the Geobatria. So there's that too. Definitely. But well, you know where you can find us, right? If you didn't hear in the beginning, you can hear at the end because I'm sure you had to stay into the whole thing. So go give us a five-star review on Apple. Leave your comments. And you know, maybe if it's really good, we'll read on the show. But if you really, really want to get read on the show, you got to go to change.org, right? And it's in the link tree. Uh, you got it up and still on your link tree, right? Yeah. Come Go to Van Tesla Music, my Instagram page. Go to the link tree, bring back Saki Bomb. And I was just going to say, man, when I get off of here, I'm about to write some new music. Saki's got a baby. It's going to go down, baby. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's going to go down. We're bringing a new ginger of the Nephilim bloodline into the world. And this is going to be the next big thing. The next big thing. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, you know, help support the show. Go stream our music. Sean Chris, Joel Thomas on all music platforms. You'll find the Kill the Mockingbirds on all uh, podcast platforms. Plus, Kill the Mockingbirds podcast on Instagram. Become a subscriber for $4.99. Joel's got some heat coming for you pretty soon, man. He's showing me a little, you know, I, I get the inside, inside, inside stuff. But you could just be where I'm at and see that before everybody else. Or join Patreon where we drop the episodes first and we got some exclusive content there as well. I think, because I got a new single coming out, it's called Home Again. I'm going to end off on that. And, uh, you know, I think that's how we should do it. You know how we do it here. Wake the fuck up or get woke the fuck up. Bird killers! Bird killers!